Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Saturday, May 18th, 2019. And welcome to episode number 200, 100, excuse me, 156 of the WCWS Radio Network's weekly review show. This is WCWS Power Hour. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. WCWS Chad Hinshaw on the line here with you this evening. As we get set to talk about, of course, everything that's taken place this week here in the WWS radio network. Plus also talk about more things that come up here coming up this weekend, next week, and so on and so forth. Let's go ahead and bring everything here to you. Uh, beforehand, if you care to join us for what our plans for our, our planned discussions tonight, which will include, like I said, uh, today's history and birthdays, uh, roundup as to what took place this week in the radio network, plus also, also some wrestling news tidbits, courtesy of our friends at 411mania.com. Please feel free to give us a call here at 1-605-562-0444. Call ID 141-364-POUND and press that one if you want to chime in on anything and everything that we have to talk about here this afternoon and this evening. Let's go ahead and get things started here with our wrestling history and birthdays here for today, May the 18th. <clears throat> 27 years ago today, which would put it at 1992, WWF taped the 300th episode of Wrestling Challenge from the Riverfront Coliseum in Cincinnati, Ohio. Debuting in September 1986, one day after its sister show, WWF Superstars of Wrestling debuted, Wrestling Challenge followed a similar format to Superstars, recapping recent events, airing mostly squash matches, and promoting upcoming house shows and TV tapings. The show would last for 10 years, ending in September of 1996. And here are the matches that took place on that episode, on this particular episode. Bret Hart defeated Brian Costello by submission. The Nasty Boys, Knobs and Sags, defeated Kevin Kruger and Sean Pas- Patrick at 2 minutes 41 seconds. This is the longest match on the, on the entire episode. The Undertaker defeated Dan Robbins. Money Inc. defeated Butler Stevens and George Anderson. Virgil defeated Cato. Repo Man defeated Chris Hahn. And the Legion of Doom, of course, Hawking Animal, defeated Burt Styles and Red Tyler. <clears throat> 22 years ago today, which put it in 1997, WCW presented Slamboree from the Independence Arena in Charlotte, North Carolina. 9,643 were in attendance with 220,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. That's up on 155,000 homes for the 1996 edition of the event. And here are the matches that took place here. Steven Regal defeated Ultimo Dragon via submission to win the WCW World TV title. Medusa defeated Luna Vachon. Ray Jr. defeated Yuji Yasuroyoka. There you go. Glacier defeated Mortis by DQ. Dean Malenko defeated Jeff Jarrett via submission to retain the United States title. Ming defeated Chris Benoit via submission in a death match. The Steiner brothers defeated the Dungeon of Doom in the form of Hugh Morris and Conan. Steve McMichael defeated Reggie White. And team of Kevin Green, Ric Flair, and Roddy Piper 
defeated Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and six of the NWO. Uh, let's see here. 16 years ago today, put it at 2003, WWE presented Judgment Day from the Charlotte Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina, one more time. About 13,000 were in, in attendance with 315,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. That's down from 373,000 homes for the 2002 event. The event is noted for the return of the Intercontinental title. It was unified with the World Heavyweight title the previous September. Then it was deactivated. Where we found out later on, it would be Eric Bischoff that did that. In a Sunday Night Heat pre-show match, the Hurricane defeated Stephen Richards. As, of course, the, the match, actual matches for the pay-per-view, John Cena and the FBI, Chuck Colombo and Johnny Stamboli, defeated Rhino, Spanky, and Chris Benoit. While resistance, Savon Grenier and Rene Dupree defeated the team of Test and Scott Steiner. Eddie Guerrero and Tajiri defeated Team Angle, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin, in the latter match to win the WWE Tag Team titles. Christian last eliminated Booker T in an over-the-top row battle royal to win the vacant Intercontinental title. Other participant were, participants were former Intercontinental champions Val Venus, Chris Jericho, Lance Storm, Test, Rob Van Dam, Kane, and Goldust. Corey Wilson defeated Sable in a bikini contest. Mr. America defeated Roddy Piper, because we know who Mr. America was. Kevin Nash defeated Triple H by DQ in a World Heavyweight title match. Jazz defeated Victoria, Jacqueline, and Trish Stratus in a fatal four-way match to retain the women's title. And Brock Lesnar defeated The Big Show in a stretcher match to retain the WWE title. Fifteen years ago today, put a 2004 at a SmackDown taping in Las Vegas, Chavo Guerrero Sr., wrestling under under the name Chavo Classic, defeated his son Chavo Jr. and also Spike Dudley in a triple threat match to win the Cruiserweight, the WWE's version of the Cruiserweight title. Fourteen years ago today, put it at 2005, DDP reportedly released from TNA. Sources reported that management was not happy with Paige not putting over Monty Brown without outside interference from Thigh Delta Slam. Some believe the move was purely political and it was connected with Dusty Rhodes stepping down from his booking duties. On the same day, Jeff Hardy was suspended from TNA after arriving several hours late for hard justice. Hardy, who was scheduled to face Raven, was replaced by Sean Waltman. Twelve years ago today, put at 2007, WWE releases Shelly Martinez, Nick Mitchell, Scotty Tuhati, and developmental talent Angel Williams. Williams, who was released the same week she debuted for Ohio Valley Wrestling, will head to TNA after a brief stop in AAA. Williams, of course, wrestling under Angelina Love, would become one of TNA's most successful female performers, winning the Knockouts title six times and their Knockouts tag titles once. In June 2015, Williams married Davey Richards. The couple had their first child in March of 2016, and Williams returned to TNA in January of 2017. In a 2013 interview, Martinez alleged that her release was as a result of a conversation she had with Dave Batista, specifically over his relationship with Melina. Since her release, she had a stint in TNA as Salinas, done modeling, reality television, and appeared on the independent circuit. Martinez returned to TNA last year for the Knockouts Knockdown 4 special in a losing effort to Rebel. The match was voted the worst of 2016 by Russians over newsletter readers. Um, <clears throat> earlier... Let's see. Of course, in May of 2017, Martinez announced that she would retire from wrestling in November. In and she did retire from wrestling in November of 2017. In a 2009 interview, Mitchell alleged that his relationship with then WWE diva Tori Wilson stifled his success with the company, saying that he was a young, fresh, meek WWE guy who didn't deserve the most beautiful diva. Mitchell and Wilson dated for five years before breaking up in 2011. Mitchell retired from wrestling in 2008 and began training for MMA. He lost his only MMA fight in 2010. Scotty Tuhati, real, his real name is Scott Garland, made multiple appearances in WWE since his release. Garland has wrestled as Scotty D. Hotty and Scotty Tuhati for over 30 different promotions since leaving WWE in 2007, including IWA out of Puerto Rico and Pro Wrestling Noah. Garland, who trained to be a firefighter in 2013, came back to the WWE 
as a trainer at their performance center. I believe he's, I guess he is still there. I'm not sure, but I think he is. 11 years ago today, put it at 2008, WB presented Judgment Day from the Quest Center in Omaha, Nebraska. 11,324 were in attendance with 252,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. That's up from 242,000 homes for the 2007 edition. Here are the matches that took place. John Cena defeated JBL. John Morrison and The Miz defeated Kane and CM Punk to retain the WWE Tag Team titles. Shawn Michaels defeated Chris Jericho in a non-title match. Nikki James defeated Beth Phoenix and Melina in a triple threat match to retain the WWE Women's title. The Undertaker defeated Edge by countout in a match for the vacant World Heavyweight title. Jeff Hardy defeated MVP, and Triple H defeated Randy Orton in a steel cage match to retain the WWE title. Ten years ago today, we put it at 2009, WWE and the NBA hit an impasse regarding the May 25th date at the Pepsi Center. The originally scheduled Raw was running up against what would be the fourth game of the NBA Western Conference Finals Series between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. Uh, four years ago today, we put it at 2015 on Raw in Richmond, Virginia. Kevin Steen, of course, now at the time was NXT former NXT, was who is now known as Kevin Owens at the time, who was NXT champion, makes his WWE debut as a challenger in the John Cena United States Open Challenge. This comes two weeks after Owens' opponent for NXT Takeover Unstoppable later that week, Sami Zayn made his debut in a similar bout. Zayn in, injured his shoulder during his entrance. The match never takes place as Owens attacks Cena, then gives him a pop-up powerbomb. The act sets up an Owens-Cena match with Elimination Chamber reboot later in the month. And there are plenty of birthdays here, so we will have some brief, uh, we will, of course, have some uh, brief uh, brief profiles here. It's a little bit of a day late here. I think J.D. didn't mention this on Revolution last night. But a happy 32nd birthday to Daniel Marshall Wheeler, who is best on the wrestling fans these days as Dash Wilder. Before signing the WWE developmental deal in 2014, Wheeler spent nearly a decade on the independent circuit, most notably for NWA Anarchy, Resistance Pro Wrestling, Preston City Wrestling, and Pro Wrestling Zero One. Upon signing with WWE, Wheeler became Dash Wilder. He was paired with David Harwood, also known as Scott Dawson, performing first as the Mechanics, Duo had moderate success before shockingly defeating the Vol Villains in November 2015 for the NXT Tag Team Titles. In early 2016, they would be officially named the Revival. The duo lost the tag titles to American Alpha at NXT TakeOver Dallas in April, but would win them back two months later at NXT TakeOver at the end. They would hold the titles, titles until NXT TakeOver Toronto and when they were defeated by DIY who, of course, was Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano that November. Wilder and Dawson joined the main roster full-time. They had a single appearance on the, on a main roster show prior to this, defeating Enzo Amore and, of course, Colin Cassidy, of course, Big Cass, at Roadblock in March of 2016. Of course, <clears throat> they made like to join the main roster full-time in the night after WrestleMania 33, answering the open challenge of, then defeating the New Day. Wilder is sidelined was as of 2017. Wilder was sidelined after suffering a jaw injury in a match with Hideo Tommy and Shinsuke Nakamura. Of course, Wilder uh, was expected to return that month, and I think it believe he did. And of course, him and Scott Dawson are currently wrestling here today. Today is also a very happy 46th birthday to Brian Daniel Heffron, best known to wrestling fans as the Blue Meanie. Inspired by the creatures of the same name in the 1968 animated film Yellow Submarine, Heffron is best known for his runs in ECW from 1995 to 1998 and also 2000, where he wrestled as Blue Boy, and in the WWF from 1998 to 2000, with a brief return in the summer of 2005, where he was injured at the hands of JBL at One Night Stand. As of, as of 2000, as of, of course, 2017, Heffron has did occasionally wrestle and was currently a trainer at the Monster Factory, which was a wrestling which is a wrestling school in Paulsboro, New Jersey. Today is also a happy 69th birthday for James Harris, best known to wrestling fans as the legendary Ugandan giant Kamala. Actually born in Senatoba, Mississippi, 
Harris moved to Florida in 1967 at the suggestion of local police. Harris had become a habitual burglar around this time. Eight years later, he landed in Michigan, where he met Bobo Brazil and began wrestling training. He trained alongside Michael Hayes, Percy Pringle, and Terry Gordy before moving to Arkansas to further his training. Harris would make his pro debut in 1979 and would go under a few names before adopting the name Kamala. With Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler, the three molded the gimmick, a simple-minded Ugandan cannibal. He wrestled for Mid-South Wrestling in the early 1980s. They would appear off and off with the WWF for, for a decade. He drove a truck following his WWF run for a couple of years and had a cup of coffee in WCW in 1995. Kamala wrestled sporadically for WWE in the early and mid-2000s, most notably as part of the Gimmick Battle Royal at WrestleMania 17 that had mostly been on the independent circuit. Harris, who also <clears throat> who also dabbled in songwriting, of course, he's written over 100 songs, many of them about his experiences in the wrestling business, sadly lost both of his legs due to high blood pressure and diabetes. His left leg was amputated in 2011, his right leg just a year later. Today, as of 2017, he was living with his niece, Ashley, in his birthplace, Senatoba, Mississippi. Today, ladies and gentlemen, is a very somber birthday. Today would have been the 76th birthday of James Wiley Smith, later known as James William Ryer, but of course best known to wrestling fans as the legendary Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Snooker, a former amateur bodybuilder, wrestled for several NWA territories before joining the WWF in 1982. Though he was a heel initially, fans took to his high-flying style and would become a face by 1983. In October 1983, Snooker dove in from the top of the cage in Madison Square Garden onto Don Morocco. A number of wrestlers, including Bubba Ray Dudley, Tommy Dreamer, Mick Foley, and the Sandman, cite this as one of the reasons they pursued a wrestling career. Snooker would be a primary player in the WWF until his release in August 1985. Just a month before Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling debuted, he of course still made it in the cartoon series. After three years in the AWA, Snooker returned to the WWF in 1989 as a jobber to the stars. Snooker is most known during this run for being the first man to lose to The Undertaker at WrestleMania, because WrestleMania 7. His final television match came against Shawn Michaels in February of 1992. A month later, he arrived in Eastern Championship Wrestling and became his first champion. He remained with the company until just before the name changed to Extreme Championship Wrestling in 1994. Snuka, a member of the WWE Hall of Fame class of 96, has appeared mostly on Independent since, though he's made appearances for both WWE and WCW. He has filmed a reality show with his wife and has taken part in poker tournaments. Of course, he has two children, uh, Jimmy Jr. and Tamina. And not surprisingly, of course, as you obviously know, they both wrestle. In May 1983, Snooker was suspected but never charged in the death of his then-girlfriend, 23-year-old Nancy Argentino. Autopsy findings showed she suffered more than a dozen cuts and bruises and died of undetermined craniocerebral injuries. The case was left open, and Argentino's parents won a civil suit in 1985. In 2013, the case was reviewed by Leon County District Attorney Jim Martin and was turned over to a grand jury in January 2014. In September 2015, Snooker was arrested on third-degree murder and involuntary manslaughter charges. This came just a month after being diagnosed with stomach cancer. Following his arrest, Snooker's WWE Legends contract was indefinitely suspended and his page removed from the WWE's Hall of Fame website. On January 3rd, 2017, Snooker was deemed mentally unfit to stand trial due to his dementia and the murder charges were dismissed. The dismissal came a month after it was announced that Snooker was in hospice and had six months to live due to his stomach cancer being terminal. The cancer sadly would claim his life on January 15, 2017, at the age of 73. At the time of his passing, left behind a wife, Carol, four children, and of course, Serona, who of course wrestled as Tamina, James Jr., who wrestled as Deuce of Deuce and Domino in the mid 2000s, Liana and Ada, and three stepchildren in Bridget, Richard, and Dennis. So, folks, happy birthday up in heaven to Jimmy Snuka. Also, happy birthdays as well to Dash Wilder and also the Blue Meanie and also Kamala. So, happy birthdays, happy birthday to them. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we do, before we proceed ahead, we have another piece of wrestling history here that, uh, uh, of course, like I said, uh, pretty much is just a, 
one discussion all its own here it was too much put in the previous page so we have another page right here folks um this is another very somber moment right here uh this let's see here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. 17 years 17 years ago today, which would put it at 2002, David David Boy Smith, sad, best on the wrestling fans, that's the British Bulldog, sadly died of a heart attack in Ivermere, British Columbia. He was only 39 years old. Born November 27, 1962, in Goldborn, Lackenshire, England, David was among four children. He had one brother in Terrence and two sisters in Joanna and Tracy. His mother, Joyce Billington, was the sister of Bill Billington and the father of Tom Billington, also known as the Dynamite Kid. He trained under Ted Bentley in Winwick, England, and began his wrestling career at just age 15, competing on ITV's World of Sport with his cousin, Tom Billington. He was spotted by Bruce Hart and Smith and Billington relocated to Canada to wrestle for Stu Hart's promotion, Stampede Wrestling. The Cousins had a long-standing feud with Smith defeating Dynamite Kid on July 9, 1982 for the Stampede British Commonwealth Mid-Heavyweight title, his first championship. The feud continued on the other side of the position for New Japan Pro Wrestling, where Smith and Kid feuded with the Cobra. On February 7, 1984, Dynamite Kid won the NWA Junior Heavyweight title by winning a one-night three-man round-robin. Soon after the tournament, the Cousins formed the tag team in New Japan and Stampede Wrestling, of the British Bulldogs. The duo left New Japan for All Japan just before their annual tag tournament, the world's strongest tag determination league. Their performance in that tournament drew attention from the World Wrestling Federation. After the WWF bought out Stampede Wrestling in 1985, the British Bulldogs, along with brothers-in-law Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart, joined the company. The Bulldogs would engage in a long-standing feud with Hart and Neidhart, also known as the Hart Foundation. In 1986, the, the Bulldogs feuded with Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake, also known as the Dream Team. At WrestleMania II, with Captain Lou Albano and singer Ozzy Osbourne in their corner, the Bulldogs defeated the Dream Team for the WWF Tag Team titles. In December 1986, the Dynamite Kid suffered a severe back injury. The injury to Billington would soon doom the tag, tag title reign. On January 26, 1987, the Bulldogs lost the tag title to the Hart Foundation. But the duo remained in the WWF until late 1988. Their days as a top tag team were over. Why the Bulldogs left the WWF following that year's Survivor Series depends on who's telling the story. One account says Billington got into a fight with Jacques Rougeau over a prank gone wrong. Another says Billington had an issue with WWF management over plane tickets. Bulldogs returned to Stampede Wrestling. While also wrestling for All Japan Pro Wrestling, with Stampede on his last legs, the decision was made to split the duo up in May of 1989. This was a problem with All Japan as they were switching on the Bulldogs as a team. In July, Smith, along with Chris Benoit, Ross Hart, and Carl Moffat, also known as Jason the Terrible, were involved in an auto accident. Smith, who was not wearing a seatbelt, was thrown through the windshield and sent 25 feet headfirst onto the pavement. The wounds needed 135 stitches to close. Eventually, Smith healed and returned to the ring, and the Bulldogs continued the team in all of Japan. Just before the 1990 World's Strongest Tag Determination League, Smith pulled the British Bulldogs out of the tournament with the story that Billington was in a serious auto accident. In reality, David was covering his tracks. He was heading back to WWF as the British Bulldog. Smith returned to the WWF in October 1990, defeating Haku at a live event in early October and the Brooklyn Brawler in his televised return later in the month. Smith, who trademarked the British Bulldog during his first run with the company to prevent his former tag team partner Tom Billington from being promoted as such, became quite popular in the United States. But he was immensely popular in the United Kingdom, thanks in part to WWF programming becoming a huge hit on Sky Sports. Multiple cards were promoted in the United Kingdom during the height of Bulldog's popularity, including UK Rampage in March 1991 and the Battle Royal at the Albert Hall in October, where he won the, the, where he won the titular match, a 20-man Battle Royal. He won fair as well in the 1992 Royal Rumble match. He entered first and eliminated three men. It was Ted DiBiase, Jerry Sags, and Haku before being eliminated by the eventual winner, the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Arguably the peak... <clears throat> of Smith's popularity and career came on August 29, 1992, 
with an audience of over 80,000 in Wembley Stadium in London at SummerSlam. Smith, accompanied by British and European and future world boxing champion Lennox Lewis, defeated his brother-in-law Bret Hart for the Intercontinental title. Smith would hold the title for just over two months before he was defeated, or he was defeated for it by Shawn Michaels on Saturday night's main event that November. Later in the month, Smith and the Ultimate Warrior were both found to have received shipments of human growth hormone from a pharmacy in England. With the company under investigation of steroid use, Smith and Warrior were released. In 1993, Smith had a brief run in WCW, teaming with Sting in, in his feud with Big Van Vader and Sid Vicious. Smith challenged for the WCW World Title at Slamboree and Clash of the Champions 24. With the two splitting the pair of bouts, Smith won the Slamboree match via DQ. In July, Smith was involved in an, alter an altercation with a 22-year-old man making advances towards his then-wife, Diana. Smith would be charged with aggravated assault later in the year and would end up being released from WCW in December. Charges against Smith were dismissed in February of 1996. After a brief stint in, for the United Kingdom outfit All-Star Wrestling in early 1994, Smith returned to the WWF at SummerSlam, teaming with his brother-in-law Bret Hart against Owen Hart and Jim Neinhardt. At the 1995 Royal Rumble match, Smith entered second behind Shawn Michaels. It would wind up being the last two men in the ring, Smith tossed Michaels over the top rope, but only one of Sean's feet hit the floor. Sean re-entered and eliminated Bulldog soon after, giving him the win and a WWF Championship match at WrestleMania 11. Michaels would lose that bout to Diesel. As for Bulldog, he would team with Lex Luger to form the Allied Powers. Their alliance was brief. In August, the Allied Powers were set to take on men on a mission, but Luger was a no-show. Bulldog got a replacement partner in WWF Champion Diesel, but it was a trap. Bulldog attacked Diesel and would join Jim and Jim Cornette's Canton Cornette with Owen Hart and Yokozuna. This was Bulldog's first heel turn in the WWF. The heel turn did help Bulldog get a WWF title match against Diesel in your house four in October, but Smith won via DQ due to interference from Bret Hart. Two months later, Bulldog will get another shot at the title, this time with Bret Hart as the champion. Despite Hart bleeding during the bout, a no-no for the WWF at the time, he defeated Bulldog and retained the title. <clears throat> in in the 1996 Warrior Rumble match, Bulldog was the next to last entrance, but once was once again eliminated by the match's eventual winner, Shawn Michaels. In the spring, Bulldog fitted with champion Shawn Michaels, the basis that being that Diana accused Michaels of making advances toward her. This angered and motivated Bulldog to take the championship from Shawn. He couldn't do it. They fought to a draw in your house eight, beware of dog, but Shawn retained a month later at King of the Ring. Soon afterwards, Smith formed a tag team with brother-in-law Owen Hart. At In Your House 10, Mind Games in September, Bulldog and Owen would defeat the Smoking Guns for the WWF Tag Team titles. They would hold the titles for eight months, the longest title reign in four years. They would lose them to the unlucky duo of Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels in May of 97. While they were, champ while they were champions, the WWF European title was created. Owen and Bulldog would be the finalists in the inaugural tournaments, with Bulldog winning the title in March of 1997. The competitive fire between the brothers-in-law nearly tore them apart until Bret Hart got, got them to reconcile their differences, along with Jim Neidhart and Brian Pillman. They would form a new version of the Hart Foundation, feuding primarily with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Interestingly, interestingly while the Hart Foundation was, were, were vilified for their actions in the States, the group were heroes most everywhere else in the world, particularly in Canada. This was best proven at In Your House Canadian Stampede in July, where the Hart Foundation defeated Stone Cold Steve Austin, Goldust, Ken Shamrock, and the Legion of Doom. Just a week later, Austin and Doom Love defeated Owen and Bulldog in a tournament round for the tag titles. Michaels was suspended and was forced to vacate his half of the belts. In September, Bulldog lost the European title to Shawn Michaels at the UK exclusive one night only. This marked the first time Smith was defeated at a WWF event in the United Kingdom. Bulldog was originally booked to win, but Michaels convinced Vince McMahon to change the book and to build his feud with Bret Hart and to build a return bout with Bulldog at a future UK show. The return bout never came to pass. Following the Montreal Screwjob of Survivor Series in that November, Bulldog, along with Bret Hart and Jim Neinhart, left the WWF. Smith followed brothers-in-law brothers Jim Neinhart and Bret Hart to WCW. Smith's duty was Steve McMichael, who was tired of the authority of wrestlers coming from up north. 
a thinly veiled reference to the WWF. Smith's second WCW run was not nearly as successful as first. He teamed up with Neidhart, but the two were rarely featured and used primarily on Thunder. In April 1998, Smith suffered a knee injury that sidelined him for a month. He would suffer a much more serious injury five months later. At Thaw Brawl in September, Bulldog landed awkwardly on a trapdoor twice, resulting in him injuring his back. It wasn't until a month later when it was discovered that his back injury was a serious spinal infection that could have resulted in paralysis. Bulldog spent six months in a hospital. While in recovery, he was released from WCW via FedEx. Smith would soon develop an addiction to morphine and painkillers. It would not be until nearly a year later Smith returned to the wrestling ring. In September 1999, he returned to the WWF as the British Bulldog. In keeping with the Attitude Era, Bulldog wrestled in jeans and entered to a remix of Rural Britannia for a brief period before switching out to a rock theme, beginning with a dog bark. On his first night back, Smith defeated the big boss man for the hardcore title. Then he gifted, then gifted said title to Al Snow, who was doing, I think, the Leaf Cassidy thing. He soon pursued, pursued the WWF title, the one title he never won in the company. He eventually turned heel and defeated with The Rock. And after given, he failed to win the title in a six-man match. Triple H won the bout and the then-vacated title. In October, Smith wrestled as a heel for the first time in his homeland at the UK Exclusive Rebellion. He defeated X-Pac at that event. His feud with The Rock included at No Mercy, with Bulldog being defeated by The Rock. Just over a week later, Smith defeated D'Lo Brown, for the WWF European title. He lost the title at Armageddon in mid-December to Val Venus. On May 6, 2000, Smith defeated Crash Holly for the hardcore title in London. Holly would win it back five days later. Soon afterwards, Bulldog was sent to rehab at the request of Vince McMahon due to his addiction to prescription painkillers and morphine. His feared relapse led to Smith's release. Around that time, Diana and David divorced, with David getting shared custody of their two children Harry in Georgia. Soon after, David began dating Andrea Redding, the estranged wife of Bruce Hart. The couple had plans to marry. On May 18, 2002, by vacation in Invermere, British Columbia, Canada, Smith suffered a heart attack. Attempts to revive him were unsuccessful. He was only 39 years old. A later autopsy revealed his past use of antibiotic steroids may have contributed to his death, as well as stress and serious injuries. Also, at the time of his death, Smith was planning a comeback. As the previous weekend, he had teamed with his son, Harry, in three tag team bouts. Two funeral services were held, one by his girlfriend, Andrea, the other by the Hart family. Red Hart attended both. Smith is buried in his hometown of Goldborn. Smith, the winner of the 1992 Pro Wrestling Illustrated Match of the Year Award with Red Hart, is a member of the Stampede Wrestling Hall of Fame. And, of course, they've been working for a long time to try to get the British Bulldog in the, Hall, in the WWE Hall of Fame. And we're hoping some we're hoping hope next year will be the year that they do that. So <clears throat> so like a very somber moment there indeed, folks. So so, that, so like I said, there you have it there, folks, with your wrestling history and birthdays here for today. Uh let's take this give you this one more time. 1605-562-0444, call ID one four one three six four pound. This is episode one fifty-six of WWS Power Hour. For Saturday, May 18th, 2019. Of course, Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw back on the line here with you. <clears throat> as, panel, as the rest of the panel way too tough to handle here. Um, of course, are uh, resting up here after a very long week here, of course, of a big time a big time talk a big a big time talks here um, <clears throat> here in the radio network. And of course, we had a lot to talk about this week. Of course, including, of course, what is going to happen with Money in the Bank coming up tomorrow. Uh, of course, AEW coming up here on uh, a week from today. Uh, we've had a lot of big time discussions here and there. Of course, what took place on Raw and SmackDown this past week. Uh, of course, what happened sports wise. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, of course, including, of course, the fact that my, sadly, my my beloved Carolina Hurricanes have uh, put up a real good fight in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Boston Bruins. But unfortunately, of course, they were kind of swept away by the Bruins. But next year, I'm sure they'll have an opportunity to go against Boston here really, very soon and get a little bit of payback. So there you have it. And I hope someone does beat Boston because, because of that reason. That's my personal opinion. 
uh, of course, also between Thursday night on Wolfpack and last night on Revolution, we did get predictions in, of course, from um, last, uh, of course, Thursday night. We did get them, of course, from the human suplex machine, John Gross and the Anne Marie Rickenbach. Uh, also, of course, uh, uh, last night we did get them, of course, from the Iceman, Jerry Girolamo, Danny Pamuk Parker, who now we're now starting to call him the Friday Night Delight. And also the style, Stephen Kyle. Um, today, just a few moments before we came on the air, I did get I did get predictions in from the Black Widow, Michelle Lynn Dodds. Uh, <clears throat> and I was hoping to also hear from Mr. Hulkamania, Bob Ziegler, to get his predictions in. But, uh, but I have not heard from him as of yet. Um, hopefully, I'll get to hear from him between uh, between now and tomorrow. Uh, <clears throat> but of course, like I said, keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, we do have, of course, several belts lined up here in the prediction title challenge. Or it lined up all ready to go. Of course, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you have the WWS Young Lions Championship, WWS Wired Championship, WWS Grand Slam Championship. The NJPWS Open Weight Championship, the WWS Tri-State Championship, the WWS Suicidal Championship, the Impact US King of the Mountain Championship, and the WWS Grand Championship. So, folks, there you have it. There with our eight belts here, and of course, like I said, whoever and this and this go around here, whoever has the most predictions right from t- after tomorrow, we'll have the opportunity to choose what belt. That what belt they can they can uh, win uh, will have the first choice of what belt they want, and we'll all run down here until, of course, like I said, all the belts are are in the hands of those of everyone involved in our title challenge. Uh, excuse me, there, folks. <sighs> But hopefully, like I said, we'll get to hear. I don't know if we'll get to hear from the King NWOQRT Smith. He doesn't take part in the prediction title challenge. We would love to hear his thoughts as well. I would make my predictions, of course, tomorrow evening, ladies and gentlemen, at 5 p.m. Special edition of Revolution. Of course, coming up from, um, <clears throat> of course, coming up from, uh, of course, our, our prediction show from Money in the Bank. As we'll be talking about, of course, I'll be running through all the matches here and giving my personal predictions and also uh, running through predictions here, of course, of what everybody has made thus far. Uh, <clears throat> and, of course, uh, getting their thoughts and opinions on how, how they expect each match to go. So it will be, excuse me, so each match will be definitely, they'll be talking about, of course, we'll be talking about each match, of course, coming up as well. Don't forget to join us for our live video feed. Of course, for that, we'll be coming in from WWS News Channel. So be sure to listen in for that coming up <clears throat> tomorrow evening at 5 p.m. Special edition of Revolution 138055 pound for that. Be sure to listen in. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I will go ahead and mention it to you that uh, it appears that once again, we're not going to be able to have our, our hyped up match we've been talking about for the last few weeks on Wrestling Championship Challenge. So we will be pushing that back, and looks like we may have to do that until, wait until, um, of course, with next week being double or nothing, we may have to push that match back until, of course, the beginning of June. So we'll go ahead and get that planned out here to have that done. And we promise you we will, of course, have that match, of course, coming up here sometime in, sometime here in June. We'll go ahead and just plan that out right now for that. Okie doke here, folks. Let's see what we have here. And um, we have about a few moments here. Let's see about any. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Let's see what. Let's see what wrestling news tidbits we have. We can go ahead and bring you for. uh, uh, Here, of course, um, for. uh, for today and of course i do we do thank our friends at 411 mania for allowing us here in the wws radio network 
for allowing us to read their stories on all of our shows here in the radio network each and every week, as of course, including Revolution, Wolfpack, Raw Radio, uh, Power Hour, Outside the Ropes, <clears throat> uh, and other shows here as well. One quick entertainment story here, of course, we do bring entertainment news on Outside the Ropes every Wednesday night. Uh, uh, but there is, is one that did catch my eye here. I definitely, definitely like to talk about this one here. Uh, um, Jeffrey Harris brings us his first story. As the popular cartoon He-Man and the Masters of the Universe is cited for a March 2021 release. Uh, Deadline reports that Sony Pictures and Mattel Films have cited the planned film adaptation of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe for a March 5th, 2021 release date. Noah Centino is currently attached with the starring role of He-Man for the live-action film. This is not the first release date set by Sony for the project. It was previously set for December 2019 release. Not to mention the film has been passed around multiple studios, writers, and directors over the past 10-plus years or so. Sorry about that, folks. We'll ignore that. <clears throat> the film was based on the 1980s action figure line of the same name that later spawned an iconic animated cartoon by Filmation. The story, of course, follows young Prince Adam, who is granted fabulous secret power with the magic sword that transforms him into the hero known as He-Man. The defense castle of Grayskull and his home planet of Eternia from the evil Skeletor and his minions. Adam and Aaron Nee were slated to direct the film, which they are reportedly co-writing alongside Art Markham and Matt Holloway. The March 5th, 2021 release date puts the film opposite the animated 20th Century Fox film The Mona and a currently untitled Universal event film. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that, folks. And also, you have to remember back in the 80s, they did already do a live action version um a live action version of <clears throat> of uh, of course masters of the universe because remember doc lundgren played the title role of he-man was back in i think mid 80s i think it was that they did that uh so that that's one that's one um so that's one story we wanted to bring from the entertainment realm here uh, now let's go with some wrestling stories here as well. Uh, Jeremy Thomas brings us this story here. As our first story here, let's see here. Becky Lynch uh, compares Nia Jax to a toilet. Jax slams Lynch for tanking ratings. This is, like I said, sent by Jeremy Thomas here. This is a very interesting story here indeed. Uh, <clears throat> and then we go and bring this here too. Becky Lynch has a new Twitter feud, and it's with Nia Jax took a shot at Lynch for tanking ratings. Jazz had a spice-filled response to a post by Lynch in which she replied to a Lacey Evans tweet with a shot at Nia Jax as well. The tweet by Lacey Evans showed her wrapping a mop in a Becky Lynch shirt, cleaning a toilet, which Lynch called Lacey giving Nia a good scrub to promote money in the bank. Ladies and we may have be having a brief visit here. Let's pause our news stories for just one second here. And I do think, uh, yes. Uh, yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, I do have it here with us here. Uh, 2015 and 17 Hall of Famer and part of the Raw Radio team here every Monday afternoon right here on Talk Show. Uh, the Iceman, Jeremy Geronimo, making a special appearance here. Uh, JD, of course, 156 Power Hour. Welcome. Well, I'm not staying too long, but I do have some breaking news coming in. According to LordsofPain.net, and this is what I had heard, however, first off, I'm going to congratulate JoJo, however, on the birth of their uh, baby, if you will, however, mind you, who earlier today gave birth to their uh, son, if you will. uh, Believe it or not, we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, I just found it. Hold on a second. I'll tell you about it in a second. Okay, yeah, here we go. I just found this on LordsOfPain.net, however. Yeah, here we go. Uh, first off, however, I did it again. Hold on a second. 
Uh, okay, first off, JoJo, of course, the white, the girlfriend of Bray Wyatt gave birth to a healthy baby boy. However, her and Bray Wyatt, however, earlier today, however, mind you, announced how it is Nash, K-N-A-S-H, 6, S-I-X-X, Rotunda, believe it or not. So congratulations to JoJo and Bray Wyatt, believe it or not, however, as they expected their first child, however, believe it or not, as the proud papa and mama, JoJo Offerman, are having their first child. Now, earlier today at a WrestleGate Pro event, however, believe it or not, Hangman Page, however, believe it or not, confronted Neville, believe it or not, head of the Double or Nothing showdown for next Saturday night. Page answered an open challenge issued by PAC, however, P-A-C, after his schedule opponents did not appear. The two then put on a 15-minute bout that ended with PAC himself getting disqualified. Afterwards, he then attacked Page with a steel chair targeting his leg. He then later claimed he would not be appearing at the Double or Nothing show next Saturday night, believe it or not. So it looks like maybe that match is now not going to take place. Hmm. Believe. From what I heard. In addition to that, meanwhile, however, in golf news and sports news, Brooks Kepka is still your uh, leader at the moment right now. However, he is seven clear Dustin Johnson. Uh... Luke List, however, Dustin Johnson, who shot 69, Fuchs shot 70 today, Carol Varner III shot 67, List 69, Dustin Johnson, Hideki Matsuyama, 68, Matt Wall, 70, and Alexander Shoffley, 68. They are eight and nine shots back, but right now a seven-shot lead for Dustin Johnson going into the final day of the PGA tomorrow, however, at Bethpage State Park, however, and could capture the Wanamaker Trophy. But, of course, that big story, obviously, is, of course, the one, like I said just now, the story that I just reported about Pac and Page, as they were supposed to have their match next Sunday, or Saturday night hour, in Las Vegas. Now it looks like that match is all but off the table at the moment, unless they get it back going again a week from now. It looks like that is not going to take place. Well, we'll have to be watching this very, very carefully. It could be a little bit of a And I just wanted to say to everyone out there, enjoy Money in the Bank. I just wanted to come on and report that story. And also to everyone, enjoy Money in the Bank tomorrow. Be safe. Be careful out there, however. Whatever you do, and stay uh, safe this weekend, however, especially tonight in Pittsburgh, however, with the Garth Brooks concert in town tonight, believe it or not. Okay. So I figured I'd let well, you know what's going on there. Too. Thank you very much, JD. We really appreciate that, sir. And we look forward to talking at you this coming week. You're, of course, on Raw Radio. We'll be, we'll be reviewing tomorrow night's Monday Night Show. I hope it's a good we show do. tomorrow night. I will see you guys on Monday. Yeah, take care, JD. We do appreciate it. Thank you very much, sir. sir. Agent, I think we thank the Iceman, Jerry Drama, for making a great appearance here. A very big time development there, folks. Could that be some breathing room for WWE? We don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Let's go back to this story right here. Of course, let's bring it to you, bring it to you one more time. Uh, Jeremy Thomas um, saying Becky Lynch compares nine jacks to a toilet, and jacks slams Becky Lynch for tanking ratings. Here's the story. Becky Lynch has a new Twitter feud as with Nia Jax, who took a shot at Becky Lynch for tanking ratings. Jax had a spice-filled response to a post by Lynch in which she replied to a Lacey Evans tweet with a shot at Jax, a tweet by Lacey Evans showed her wrapping a mop in a Becky Lynch shirt before cleaning a toilet, which Lynch called Lacey giving Nia a good scrub to promote money in the bank. That brought out Jax, who told Lynch to go back to tanking ratings and making your two belts completely irrelevant. While you're at it, have at Lacey Evans WWE teach you how to take a proper shower, you moldy cabbage-smelling ginger. Jax is currently out of action due to surgery on both of her ACLs, while Lynch is defending both women's titles separately against Evans and also Charlotte Flair at Money in the Bank, of course, tomorrow night. Uh, <clears throat> and of course, uh, there is a, a video that was there was a video on Twitter that came from uh, uh, Lacey Evans. Uh, apparently. Uh, Apparently, of course, if Lacey Evans doing that, well, I just said taking uh, Becky Lynch's T-shirt and using it as a mop, uh, wrapping it around a mop, I should say. So, so big time. Uh, uh, I don't know what to make of that, folks. That's just that's just a uh, 
Uh, it's a very interesting story here indeed. Of course, he's still got to take a uh, still got he's still got to take take it take it for what it's worth here, I guess. <clears throat> okay, um, next story here from Jeffrey Jeffrey Harris. Well, speaking of AEW, uh, Dustin Rhodes says he has zero to prove against his brother Cody at Double or Nothing. Sporting News recently interviewed former WWE superstar Dustin Rhodes ahead of next week's Double or Nothing event. And here are some highlights. Dustin Rhodes, I'm being surprised that people call him underrated. Dustin says it doesn't surprise me at all. What does surprise me is that people are always saying how I am underrated. I don't agree with all that stuff. Fans started with the Dustin Rhodes and WCW and the babyface I was. He grew up with me through, through that when I was transitioning to the Goldust heel role. They hated me for the time being. The longer you go in the business, the more the, more the fans <clears throat> accept who you are and what you're doing, going out there and giving 110% every single time you go out there and entertain them, and you're doing a great job at it. Try to do that for the last 31 years. It's not surprising that at, at all that I still have the support that I do. I treat the fans right. I believe a significant component is that you treat the fans right, then they are going to stick around forever. Rhodes on the perception that he is underrated. Dustin says, I believe that has a lot to do with the fact that WWE never pushed Goldust to win a WWE title or get a world title opportunity. Rhodes, Rhodes did, did also said that it's not for everybody. That is a hard thing to accomplish in the business. Yes, it's still a dream of mine. Dream has taken a back seat for now. Because of what I've realized about the last 24 years of the, of the Goldust character is that Goldust didn't need a world title. Goldust went out there and entertained, had a good time with the fans, and left a lasting impression. Every once in a while, a character comes along like Goldust, and you don't need to put a world title around him. I'm okay with me not winning a world title. I get why people would say I'm underrated, but I disagree. Of course, I want to win a world title and put it on my top shelf. Anybody who wants to get into the business wants to do it. If you don't want to be in, in the industry to become a world champion, then you shouldn't be in the business. I'm a good worker. I'm a good storyteller. I'm a good salesman. I love to entertain and perform for the fans. I never prepare for anything as I have my match with my brother, Double or Nothing. <clears throat> I will be ready. All those times people will call me the Benjamin Button of WWE and wrestling. It's true. I stop the clock and it turns back. I go out there and perform at my highest level, and they see something they've never seen from a six foot five, fifty year old man today. They can still hang with the young bucks, Cody and the younger kids, and shine on a particular, on a spectacular show. On a feeling he has nothing to prove on his match, to prove with his match with his brother Cody Rhodes. Dustin says, I have zero to prove to anybody. If they don't effing like me, F them. I don't give a S. I don't care if they like me or not. I have nothing to prove to Cody. I have nothing to prove to the world. I have everything to prove to myself. I've never lost it. I can still go out there at 50 years old and put on a hell of a show. If people don't like it, then F them. I'm going out there to do my job and have some fun while doing it. It's the most crucial time of my career. Whatever I do at after this, I'm going to be way down on the totem pole. This is not the parking lot brawl with Roddy Piper or teaming with my brother against the Shield at Battleground in 2013. This is a moment on a grand stage that I get to go out there with my flesh and blood and have some fun and tell a story. Because after my promo and Cody's kicktail promo, they're kicking promo, there's nothing else to do but to lock up and let's do our best to give the crowd what we can and the best product we possibly can do. And one more quick story here, of course, as you know, ladies and gentlemen, we did lose several people, including, of course, two, um, sadly, against uh, two, uh, what you say, uh, names in wrestling this week. One of them, of course, was this young lady who we lost actually a couple of days ago. Uh, Jeremy Thomas brings us this last story here. We brought this to our attention. Uh, this was brought up. This was brought to our attention on Revolution last night, but I will go ahead and reiterate this story. Sorry about that here, because we get this, let me just get this out of the way here. WB says that Ashley Massaro reached out to make amends late last year. The late Ashley Massaro's relationship with WWE wasn't great in the last several years, but Massaro tried to make amends last year. As a corporate, as Paul Levimania previously reported, Massaro, who passed away on Thursday at the age of 39, had been part of the class action suit against WWE over the company's treatment of talent in relation to concussions. That suit was ultimately dismissed late last year. 
According to WWE, Masara reached out after the loss and was dismissed to apologize for her involvement. The company issued a statement to the blast saying that Masara sent an email in October and said she was misled by Constantine Krios, the attorney responsible for many of the, of the concussion lawsuits filed against WWE. The statement wrote as statement notes here. Long after Ashley Masara filed an affidavit, which WWE only learned of the content after she passed away, Ashley sent an email to WWE on October 20th, 2018, approximately one month after the court dismissed all claims against WWE and sanctioned the lawyer who brought the suit against WWE, Constantine Cryos, for repeated misconduct, including pursuing false allegations. WWE also provided the site with excerpts of the email, which include Masara saying, I love WWE. You were all my family the whole time I was there. Lawsuit got out of control very fast. I had been I had been roped in by the lawyer representing the others. She also said that she knew it was a bad idea, but was convinced by the lawyer. And I want to acknowledge that I should have contacted you guys before agreeing to be involved. I was basically I was basically poached. I accept my part of the responsibility and just want to formally apologize and express my regrets. The excerpts also put Masaro as saying, "You all changed my life, and I couldn't be more grateful." and express my sincere sincerest regret to Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, and Kevin Dunn. So, folks, I mean, I don't know what this, I don't know how WWE will feel about this now, but we'll just have to wait and see, of course, what will, what happens here, of course, here in the, in the coming months here about what, about, uh, about what about uh, you know if they uh, of course don't of course like I said if they if they ever had any ill will against Ashley for doing for doing this you know after hearing this uh, apparently hopefully they may come to the amends and hopefully something will come up and eventually you know they even though that of course we just like I said we just lost Ashley to to them it's a possible and I'm sure they would possibly you know. We'll, we'll definitely in time learn to forgive her and of course hopefully you know we'll extend some sort of uh thank uh some sort of uh acknowledgement to her family of course for of course for for, for what what for what took place indeed so, so ladies and gentlemen there you have it there were some wrestling news tidbits here for today and on that note here we do thank you very much for listening here tonight to episode 156 of wws power hour I do also, uh, like I said, with, uh, I do want to thank the Iceman, Jerry DiGeralmo, for a brief step over here on episode 156 tonight. Uh, <clears throat> uh, for, of course, giving us the update here, of course, about the double or nothing thing next weekend. Uh, of course, it was one week away. I mean, do, are, is this going to go down? I mean, are we going already, even before the show starts, are we, are we already going to lose a match at this? If, as I said before, is this going to get WWE in some breathing room? As I said before, we're just going to have to simply wait and find out um, what tapes what date takes place here, folks. That's all we can say. On that note here, folks, I want to thank everyone for listening here tonight. Like I said, I also want to thank the Iceman, Jared DiGuolmo, for a brief stopover and a couple of uh, quick stories there as well. <clears throat> so don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, like I said, Brian, the first Saturday in June, we're going to do our best to try to have this matchup between Mr. Hulkamania and the Black Widow uh, that we've talked, been talking about for the last few weeks. We're hoping to have them here really, really soon. Uh, but we'll keep you informed, of course, if we do have any changes in that here coming up here, some, possibly sometime during the week or what have you. Don't forget tomorrow evening, <clears throat> tomorrow at 5 o'clock, our special edition of Revolution, which will be our prediction show for Money in the Bank 2019. Uh, we hope to have, of course, uh, <clears throat> We hope to have, uh, like I said, some, uh, some good discussions here tomorrow on that as we will talk about all the matches there, take, there will take place. And, of course, don't forget, uh, like I said, we'll talk about it and also Double or Nothing as well. And we'll keep everybody informed as to, of course, tomorrow in some capacity as to the up, an update on the, on the, of course, the uh, results of, of the 11 matches from Money in the Bank tomorrow night. For the entire panel, way too tough to handle, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw saying thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk at you here, of course, tomorrow on our special edition of Revolution, our prediction show for Money in the Bank, and of course later on we'll give you updates 
on the results of the matches for Money in the Bank. Power Hour episode 156 is a broadcast of the WWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoe.com, where we are four years older and continuing to be bolder. <clears throat> the radio network continues to be and will forever remain your wrestling and pop culture connection. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, in addition to losing the late Ashley Passaro, I sent our thoughts and prayers to her family once again. Also, our thoughts and prayers once again to the family of Silver King, who we lost, of course, a few days ago. And also, we lost three entertainers as well. Uh, Peggy Lifton, who, of course, may not, people may not remember, but she played the young lady as part of the three, three-person uh, trio called the Mod Squad back in the 60s. Um, <clears throat> also, we lost the legendary Doris Day. And also the legendary comedian from the Carol Burnett show, of course, one and only Tim Conway. So our thoughts and, and prayers are with the families of each of those folks here as well. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, for everything going on in the world of wrestling and pop culture, this is the WWS Radio Network. Take care. God bless. Enjoy your weekend. And we we'll hope to talk to you, of course, coming up here between this weekend and on Monday on Raw Radio. Take care and God bless. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.